This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators, all with the noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to operate better in today's world. Jordan's also got a fun weekly segment, Feedback Friday, where he covers advice on everything from escaping a cult or psycho family situations to relationships and networking to even just asking for a raise. Point blank, Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny, and easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and actionable advice that can directly improve your life. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukaki, your host. The morning of Butthole's trial is at hand, and he faces execution if his legal team can't get the job done. Alan Quinney and not Peter Baelish have blackmailed one of the judges, and Butthole has sworn an oath of vengeance against Fiddlesworth for harming Goblin Jr. Will his legal team be able to save the day? Will Alan be able to master the rules of a courtroom? Find out next on Dum Dums and Dragons. There's only one word I need you to, like one name I need from you, and that's who did it. And he snarfs at me, and I know what it means because I speak wolf. So, Tom, I'm going to let you answer this question, but who did it? Snarflesworth. I'm going to fucking kill that guy. <laughs> you son of a bitch. And then I just, I, I, am, I, I am like... Swinging fists at invisible things. I am kicking, but that like awkward, like little kid temper tantrum kick because butthole is not a kicker. <laughs> like, like, uh, even Genovich flips a chair yeah. in his cell, and I'm like, You, you fucking get it. You're, you're good. You're, I like this guy. And then I, I like get Goblin Jr. some water. I saved some bread. So I like, I take the water and I, I shape it into the shape of like a little hammer for him to eat so that it's like cute. Oh, the bread? Oh. Yeah, the bread. And then I take the bed apart and I put it back <laughs> together into like a more circular dog bed with like a built in pillow. And I put him on it and I'm like, you sleep here. I'm going to. Well, to be totally honest, I'm going to have some really dark <laughs> fantasies for about uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> and then I'm going to figure out how to get us out of, out of this uh, this courtroom mess. And then we're going to kill everyone. <laughs> just just all of them. Just just everyone. And then I just like I sit there and I've got a hand like petting his his like sleeping head gently in a non-intrusive way. <laughs> and, and he sleeps. And I, I take a closer look at this fucking brand because I got to figure some shit out now. The brand appears to be, rather than the usual Warhammer sticking out of a butt, it's a, a very sharp crescent moon. And the, uh, the hammer is flipped upside down. Uh, and it has the, uh, the initials of Moonhammer next to the, the, haft. the haft. And I just look at this and I'm like, what fucking child drew this bullshit? <laughs> There's not even a butt. This is not. This is not. That's somehow worse, isn't it? That this there's is, no butt. Th- I gave him the fucking symbol. <laughs> He's branded people with a hammer. I gave. He had to get a new hammer and carve fake shit into it. I'm going to fucking kill that little 
motherfucking asshole. You dog burning son of a whore. And then I just muttered to myself while thinking about the law. <laughs> <laughs> Which is around when the rest of you arrive at jail. So uh, you're all together with the Steves. Uh, understanding uh, the uh, the standard procedure of court. We're going to give you some time uh, with the prisoner. We're going to say it's like maybe 9 a.m. So you've got a few hours still. Mm-hmm. So you can talk to Butthole and then you can do whatever else you want to do to prepare for the court case. So I'm like, hey, guys, I just want to say I'm not going to be there. I want to break off from Alan and say, Alan, today's the day. You got this. Get our friend out of there. And I'm going to say, not Pete. We've still got a deal, right? Oh, yes. All right. We have a deal. I'm going to see if I can track down some other judges before this thing happens. Are, are you within earshot when this happens or you don't come into the cell? I think this is like front door kind of thing. As you as you go off, um, or before you do, I just kind of like take you by like the safe, like mm. pull you pull you aside and say, mm-hmm. yes, we have a deal. Once he's out, I will capture you, your boats and your smugglers. That essence of his, I will forgive you the need to bring it to me, but I can't guarantee that I won't try and find it for myself. Good to know. Hmm. And I kind of pull my arm out of your grip and walk away. Quinny, Quinny, yeah, what's Quinny? up? What? Where are you going? Why? What? Like this is a big moment for yeah. for all of us. I know you're going to do things by the book and follow the rules and get them out the right way. Okay. I'm going to be there if that doesn't work. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Classic legal setup. (laughs) Alan and not Peter, you have arrived uh, at the jails to meet with Butthole. I'm sitting and like, like I've shoved the table up against the wall and there's just papers all over the floor, but they've clearly been ignored and been trod all over. And I'm sitting in like a, like a lotus position, like, like just both (laughs) arms out and my eyes closed and I'm breathing really deep, but somehow you can just like sense and I would say three quarters, however many degrees that is. What's that in like 360? Mm-hmm. Three quarters is going around and it's just emanating rage. But the other quarter is just aiming towards the bed to the side of the room. And I'm just in a like love that way. Like I'm still <laughs> conscious of Goblin Jr. And I'm just like, welcome. You should tell me everything that happened outside, please. Just all of it. No secrets. Not a time for secrets among <laughs> friends. It's a dark morning. I just kind of look at Alan as if to say, like, oh, so this is the famous butthole, because I don't think I've met him yet, actually. Hey, so, butthole, first off, uh, this is not Peter Baelish, I'm old not. friend of Quinny's, been helping us out, gather information. Uh, we may have met. So, if you're not Peter Baelish, who are you? <laughs> I'm... Oh, yeah, this. Not Peter Baelish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand you're not Peter... Okay, do you know what? <laughs> I've met two lovely human beings named Steve. I'm going to call you Steve. <laughs> Alan, Steve, what's been going on? Also, Steve, I've, I'm very angry, so it's a dark morning, but I want to say I really like your goatee son's mustache. I think it's a bold choice. Uh, not Peter Baelish, you suddenly remember. <laughs> Old mustache is gone. But you like the compliment. It's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm still dealing with the grief. <laughs> um, um, also, just uh, as as I, I'm like as I'm observing this and like uh, like feeling like oh he decided to give me his own name. I see he has not only this rage but this capability of love. And I know, but I don't know if perhaps like the ratio of that is important to who this person is. <laughs> I know uh, the clearly carefree nature he has, but also this potential for violence, but also inspiration. I'm curious about this, but. 
Oh, so in, in my pose, because you haven't, I, I don't know if we've ever described me to you. Uh, Butthole is like six foot four, six foot five. He's probably 240 to like 260. Like if The Rock, if he really let himself go. <laughs> like like The Rock plus drinking a lot. Uh, so he's got like a solid gut. He's he's in full plate mail. So like the shiniest like knight's armor ever covered in the symbol of Moonhammer, which is a butt <laughs> With a warhammer coming out, like the haft is planted in a butthole, and there's the hammer at the top. Then that's like right on his chest. Uh, he's bald, but he has a huge, big, red, bushy beard, and he's he's just full of farts and homicide <laughs> right now. <laughs> Alan, you notice uh, Goblin Junior cowering in the corner of the room. Uh, nope, nope. <laughs> your story first. <laughs> Get to that. Okay, let's see. We went over to uh, Justice Pemberton's oh, house. Just a second. Just a second. Knowing who's not here, Steve's, I'm going to need you to leave the room so I can have some safe private counsel with my lawyer. I don't need you guys to hear our secret, totally legal (laughs) (laughs) plans for this trial. Uh, So the Steve's are, you know, kind of aware of the protocol for this. They can't leave you alone, but one of the Steve's pulls out like a... Uh, sort of a vial of dust, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I've got protocol for this." He sort of like shakes it around the cell where you guys that you guys are in, and it uh, it essentially creates a zone of silence within the uh, within the sand line, so they can still see you, uh, but they can't hear anything you're saying. And then I look at Alan, and I'm like, "This works." Yeah, I'll I'll check it out. Uh, Sixteen total. Yep, uh, it seems to be sound. It seems legit. I'm gonna fucking kill Fiddlesworth. Uh, oh. Oh, okay. He hurt Goblin Jr. I'm going to murder him. Yeah. He's, you know, he's leading the Moon Knights, right? Don't care. Murder. Well, no, I care. Okay, we'll make that work. I'm going to kill him, though, and all of them. I made a promise to Goblin Jr. I'm going to kill all of them. A hundo percent. Okay. I'm I'm thinking that we might need Fiddlesworth alive at least until the end of your trial because he's the one who's been bastardizing Moonhammer and your religion. I think we got two solid things going on here. One of which, I'm in a cell, so I can't get to him. So that's cool. Okay. Two, if he comes in this cell, I'll kill him and we'll explain after. We're just going to keep him away from your cell? See? Good. Yeah. Okay. No. That's a good lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) This has been an excellent negotiation. (laughs) I feel pleased with the terms. I'm sorry you're here for this aggression, Steve. This is Goblin Jr. Don't you fucking touch him. (laughs) I've certainly uh, gotten the sense that this animal is so important to you, a companion constant of sort. I understand. My name is not Peter Baelish. And if you would like the information I'd like to bring to you, then you can call me that. Otherwise, I... Suppose I'm not needed at all now, am I? No, it's a misunderstanding. Butthole means no offense. He's a little bit dense. No shit. (laughs) First of all, we're all inside the zone of silence. (laughs) Second of all, kind of like that that rhymed. Continue. (laughs) Butthole, he just call quote unquote Steve by his real name, which is not Peter Baelish. That's <laughs> so fucking confusing. I know his name is not Peter Baelish. Great. There. Now, You're solved. You know that the one of the judges' name, Pemberton, we discovered some very interesting things in his abode. Mostly that he's been in league with a rather terrible gang, the Unseen Hand. I vomit. <laughs> Just a little, but like in in uh, like a combination a little, of rage and terror. Like I don't know what's going on, and I just say, 
Okay. Let's explore that. (laughs) (laughs) That is the gang that's run by my mom who's trying to kill me. So that's a bad level of involvement in my trial as a judge. To this I say, boo! (laughs) And suddenly you all realize that that the jail ghost (laughs) was Buffalo all along. Mystery solved. You each gain a level. (laughs) A level in ghost discovery. Uh, Interesting. So he's going to vote to murder me. No, quite the opposite, actually. For you see, it is, as it turns out, illegal for members of justice to associate with those that are part of illegal gangs. So he had gone in on a bit, look, you're not going to understand all the details of it. Needless to say, Pemberton will be voting for your release, and we've secured that fact. Okay. A, I like this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I learned from reading all these papers I don't care that much about. There is a judge. They really care about the law. Honestly, 90% of this is all written by one person. They are definitely not somebody who speaks the language here first. There's some weird grammar stuff. Other than that, legally, I don't know. It's written in smart people talk. There is not enough nearly sexy yetis in this bullshit to get me through it. Here's what I think as the guy who wants to murder everything right now. It's a simple plan, but my plan revolves around a thesis. Fuck Fiddlesworth. And I think that's a strong core to work out from. I think... Everything bad that has happened is his fault. I think he is fucking up this religion, and I think we should prove it. I got a symbol on my chest. It's a hammer and a butt, just like the goddess intended. I got a symbol burned into my fucking dog. A, didn't do it. B, not nice. C, wrong fucking symbol. (laughs) Well, all right. So this uh, Fiddlesworth, uh, I'm sure you can deal with him afterwards. Oh, yeah, hammer to the fucking face. All right. I make heads explode. (laughs) Do do we call Fiddlesworth as a hostile witness? I don't think he'll show up, but you could try. Here's the deal, though. You guys heard about a bunch of stuff about Fiddlesworth taking over back when I thought he was a decent follower of Moonhammer rather than a hammer smudge waiting for a hammer. So (laughs) I... I think we need to call those witnesses. So who did you talk to and who answered your questions? Uh, well, <laughs> he's, talked he's to in a bag right now. <laughs> so who is he? One of Fiddlesworth's acolytes. Ooh, see, that'd be a good witness. Yes. As it turns out, Fiddlesworth has rallied all of the buttling staff to rise up against those in power. Now, of course, who are those in power? Certainly judges are part of that. Even if we are able to circumnavigate any kind of law that would find you guilty, surely judges don't wish to be murdered in their sleep by their lessers. Okay, I got a little lost in there. So we're going to... Threaten the judges <laughs> with a butler murder? No, 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 no. Okay, I'll do this slowly. I might and just say more short. Me. Like, give me like a, short. like I need like a, a, let's do this in seven words. What's I'm a your... little confused too. Okay. Look, it's really tough being so cunning and sneaky. <laughs> uh, I'm going to step in here. Uh, so basically, here's the, uh, here's the facts as you have them so far. You know that the Moon Knights uh, and Fiddlesworth have managed to spread their influence to the bottling staff of uh, everyone in Neverwinter, or at least they claim to have taken over all the bottling staff. You know from Butthole's research that there is a foreign judge who cares desperately about the law. You know that Pemberton is in your pocket because you have blackmail material on him that he doesn't want to come to light. 
Oh, and uh, Alan, in her investigations, found a book that has precedent about someone bringing a religion to a place, being exonerated for the actions of a cult that sprung up around it. Okay. Does anybody have a plan? Because I got an idea that's like three steps I think we could do. But where are you guys at? Because you've been on the outside. I got, I got like my weird, like a beautiful mind, like drawing on the wall <laughs> and ink plans, but I don't know if those fly to real world or not. <laughs> the simplest thing to do is knowing that we have Pemberton in our pocket is simply present the case against the president. If there is this judge who is so deeply invested in the law, that's two out of three judges. We, we don't need all three of them to okay. find you know, not guilty. Boom. So plan A, we'll go with, we got a legal argument. Now I'm a bad. I wasn't here. Boo. Great. Yeah. I'd say plan B, we've got all the butlers want to kill everybody. Who told you the butlers were going to kill everybody? Ooh, we've also got uh, old Mad-Eye McGillicuddy. <laughs> Who's old Mad-Eye McGillicuddy? Is a guy I met. Okay, perfect. So we got, <laughs> do you know what? I'm will, A friend of Alan's is a friend of mine. So we got old Mad-Eye. Is there anybody else you talk to? To get information from. Perhaps a name brand character who set this whole adventure in motion. Oh, we've also got Carmine Falstaff, of course. Sorry. Okay, (laughs) we should probably call him because he can vouch that I'm not a dickhead. This is not my fault. And he was fucking Fiddlesworth. And I have a dead gnome in a bag that I can communicate to spiritually that will tell anybody that all the butlers are trying to kill the judges and the rich people. Here's the sign of how short on time we are. I'm going to ignore the 80% of that I want to ask questions about. (laughs) Here's what I think we do. Alan, I think you got to round up the fucking witnesses. And then we're going to argue this is not my fault. This is crap. We got Goblin Jr. as a witness. We got Carmine. I'd like to call one of the Steves. Go out there and be like, which one of you likes dogs more? And one will probably be like me, and the other will be like, shut up and do your job. Get the me guy. <laughs> Yevgenovich, we might want to call him. He knows I'm not a part of the gang. He's been here the whole time, so if I did any gang stuff, he'd know. He knows I don't like the Moon Knights. He knows. So we could call him. And then here's the deal. Not Peter Baelish. Thank you. <laughs> Still bothered that you don't have like a name positive name, but I, I will. I, I like you, so we're gonna roll with it. I think we need to try to get a meeting with these judges to let them know that they all might get murdered, just as its own advanced thing from our own discoveries. Because that feels like you say it in open court, and then Ooh, Fiddlesworth like- will be outside and he'll be like, "Murder the people," and then it'll be like too late. Whereas if we can like get like meet a, in their chambers, like an uh, yeah, yeah, the medieval equivalent <laughs> of what? Do you know what? I'm going to imagine a future. Uh, where there's technology and stuff, and it, we, we, then because there's a thing called a camera, they would call it an in-camera session where it's just the judges and the clients. So for now, it's an in-a-portrait session, just you and me, you, you and me, or just you and the dead gnome. <laughs> I would say that's going to be tricky, but he's a murderer. Tried to kill you, I'm sure. So we're just going to roll with that. So we should try to get a meeting with the judges. Get your dead gnome. Get your judges. And we'll be like they're going to kill us all. And then Alan, round it up, and work on that opening statement and I'll brew on C plot. <laughs> Speaking of C plot, cut to Quinny, you're in a uh, the your favorite kind of alley. So one way in, one way out, uh, nice and narrow. And you find yourself following Claire uh, Similton, who is uh, made the to your uh, thief mind critical, mis- critical mistake of cutting through this back alley. Okay, uh, she seems to be in a bit of a rush. Isn't really paying attention to her surroundings. What do you do? I'm going to follow her, okay. but, but just to, just to observe because I know her to be the not corrupt judge. I really want to find Dark Findleton, and so I know that the servant uprising is coming. So I'm actually kind of like trailing her as like a bodyguard right now mm-hmm. just to make sure that she gets to the courthouse okay. okay roll a perception check please that's a five five <laughs> you're tracking someone else her body is lies in a gutter 
You killed her. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> this is so no one else will kill you. <laughs> um, so uh, you're you're tracking from a fairly safe distance. Uh, you're keeping an eye on the crowds, and um, there doesn't seem to be uh, anything too crazy. Just as she's about to uh, exit out of the front, uh, Assassin's Creed style, uh, someone drops from the rooftop at her. So uh, roll me a dexterity save, please. 15. You leap dramatically toward her. I'm mm-hmm. going to give you two options. You can push her to safety and take the damage yourself, or you can risk damage to either of you, but it's not guaranteed. I'll take the damage. So uh, the assassin drops hard. Take six points of damage. Okay. And uh, roll initiative, please. 19. You will go first. The assassin is uh, dressed in sort of traditional sneaky assassin garb, so just like tight-fitting uh, mm-hmm. black robes uh, with a hood, and has a uh, uh, one of those trench spike gloves in their right. hand. Okay. Is the judge in this combat? You've pushed the judge to the ground. She's kind of at your feet, definitely within striking range of the assassin if they choose to do that. I, I just go for the attack. I feel like the assassins made their intentions pretty clear, so I'm going to attack. Plus one silver short sword. 16. That'll hit. Okay. Five damage. I need this judge to get up and give me advantage. Then we can really murder an assassin, guys. We can really hurt someone. <laughs> the assassin uh, takes your damage, sort of recognizes you as a clear threat, and tries to throw sort of an uppercut with the blade. Uh, your AC is 16. The blade barely misses you. It kind of gets caught in your hood as it goes by, but uh, you managed to dodge the blow. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, okay. All right, which brings us to the judge. Uh, so the judge uses her action to stand and uh, presses back against the wall. All right. <laughs> God, why couldn't I get the fighting judge? I know. Yeah, that's... the kind that really knows how to use their gavel. I'm looking you for know? the Final Fantasy kind of judges, you know? <laughs> well, you didn't get that. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, top of the round, you. Uh, let's go in for an attack again. Sure. 16 again. Yep, hits. That's 10 damage. The assassin looks very heavily injured. With the, sort of the last of their strength, the assassin turns and tries to jam the blade of the judge. I'm going to give you an attack of opportunity since uh, the assassin's turning its back to you. 13. Uh, yep, that'll hit. And that is six damage. Six damage. All right. Uh, you kill the assassin by one. So oh, as the assassin boy. drives its blade at uh, Clara's head, you manage to uh, get the blade uh, right into the back of the spine. Right, right. Uh, the assassin crumples, falls back, and with its dying gasp, yells, Fear, Moonhammer. I want to reveal his identity. Sure. His or her identity. Roll me a, uh insight check, please. 13. You don't recognize the person personally, but you have vague recollection that they're, uh, they might have been someone that you saw at the Upside Down Hat way, way, way back in the day. Boy, that place just really went to hell. <laughs> the judge is, of course, like shocked that this has happened, right. but uh, uh, thanks you and says, uh, like, th- thank you for, for stepping in on my behalf. Uh, who are you? Why were you following me? I was following you to make sure this exact thing did not happen, okay? There's a very important trial going on that you're about to adjudicate. An innocent man might be sent to to prison or or locked up or executed. This would be the the case of Neverwinter v. Farch? Well, I mean, let's... Come on, we both want to say it. Neverwinter v. Butthole. Yeah, v. Butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, but who who would try and stop the trial? He he seems to be just a random vagrant who's entered town who who started a gang of ruffians. He's one of my friends and he didn't start that gang, okay? His symbol does not match this guy's symbol and I gesture to wherever he might be burned. Sure, so you have to dig around a bit. It's yeah, yeah, like on the, the like, back shoulder. I show her the, the symbol. If you look at my friend in court today, you'll see on his armor this is not his symbol. This you is a me, bastardization. Can you roll me a persuasion check? Ooh. Six is my total. Great. She uh, kind of shakes her head and says, I mean, a, a symbol alone is not enough uh, to convict or free a man. But thank you for stepping in on my behalf. Your duty to the city and to justice has been great. 
I thank you. And then she takes her leave. And I, can I shout out? Yep. But I'm only one man. I've successfully protected you, but I need to make sure that Judge Speak No Evil is protected as well. Can you tell me about his whereabouts? Well, since you seem to have ascertained my per- personality, you seem to ascertain my personality. Uh, you seem to ascertain you like a laid back kind of vibe. I'm yeah, thinking. well, that's, that's my jam. <laughs> That's why I'm here, no evil. She says, uh, uh, trust me, uh, Darg used to be a, a pit fighter. He can, he can handle himself. But if you do see, wish to warn him, he, uh, he spends the morning before every trial in deep meditation over by the lake. Okay. Thank you. No. Thank you. And then she disappears into the crowd. No, thank you. No. Thank you. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Courthouse, Alan and not Peter Baelish, you've been sent to round up the witnesses. Mm-hmm. Who do you go for first? I'm going to go for... For Carmine Falstaff. Carmine? Yeah. Uh, so you arrive at the temple, and it seems to be empty. Okay, yeah, I'm going to check around to see if anyone's there, if he's hiding, sure. or if anyone else who works at the temple knows where he may have gone. Sure, roll me a perception check, please. Seven total. So you kind of walk up and down the pews. There doesn't seem to be anyone here, except for you and not Peter Baelish. Not Peter Baelish, would you like to search? Well, if I'm here, I suppose I will. Oh, <laughs> That's what I rolled. Wish I rolled a four. So uh, neither of you seem to see anyone. We have nothing here. <laughs> yep, we're fucked. Uh, you hear from sort of up in the rafters here. Wait, not Peter Baelish? I recognize this. Voice. You do. It's uh, Carmine Falstaff, who used to be one of the uh, the movers and shakers back in the uh, the criminal underworld here. When you first came back to town, he was kind of one of the criminal masterminds there. He in fact uh, helped broker the deal that got you crocodile dentist. Wow. <laughs> I, um, I look up. Well, Carmine, as I live and breathe, you son of a bitch. Oh, I'm barely living and breathing these days. Oh, and you've brought Alan. Yes, we need you desperately in the way that I needed that crocodile dentist. Oh, you did need that crocodile dentist very badly. But yeah. No, no, if I, if I leave, they'll kill me. So I'm hiding in the rafters like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> very self-aware, Carmine. You really, you said that, not us. It's been a rough few months. You understand that if you stay up in those rafters, they'll come kill you anyway. Rafters can't protect you. But if you come with us, I can offer you my protection. I've become so powerful in the criminal underground. Criminal dentist will do that. Yes. Well, it's like pulling teeth sometimes. (laughs) You make a good point, not Peter Baelish. From an alley with one exit and one entrance, you hear... (laughs) Boom! This episode is sponsored by Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind. But now we sell t-shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and it can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S, now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds. But now we are selling some sick mugs. And it is so easy. All because we use Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. It'll help you turn browsers into buyers because it has the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, which means curious people are more likely to buy from you. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices, if people were outside of the U.S., were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot. Ah, so it's power you seek, is it? Well, I, Xanthus of Dum Dums and Dice, am more than happy to provide you with a little bit of that, and it won't cost you anything, unlike that accursed Dum Dums and Dice Patreon. I mean, over there, sure, you can give a dollar to join a Patreon-only Discord and talk to other fans of the shows. You can get ad-free feeds. You can even create names or even an NPC that shows up in the shows. You can even get your name in the closing credits, and all it will cost you is a bit of your, um mortal money. Of course, you could instead make a deal with me, and I could give you power the likes of which you could never even dream of. And of course, the cost is somewhat higher than a few of your mortal dollars, but after all, who doesn't enjoy a good deal? Well, if you do decide that you would rather spend human money than engage in the dark arts with me, you can of course go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, that's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E, or we could make a deal. Oh, that must be one of those convenient thieving alley ghosts. Um, so he says, uh, what, what, do you, what do you need from, from me? How can I be of any help? My empire is gone. Fucking Fiddlesworth took it all. 
Exactly. And all we need you to do is to tell the court exactly what Fiddlesworth did. Revenge on Fiddlesworth? Absolutely. Count me the fuck in. Yes. <laughs> he goes to try and clamber down. Let's see how his dexterity is doing today. Not great. He gets about halfway down and slips. He begins to fall. Oh, uh, I... Oh, shit, I got feather fall. <laughs> so, uh, seeing this and be like, oh, no, fuck, one of our, like, two <laughs> reasonable witnesses. Um, and I just cast feather fall on him. Right. So he, uh, it, he's really glad I prepared that today. He's very surprised, and he kind of drifts uh, softly to the ground and says, "That was uh, the softest embrace I've had in quite some time." Oh, that's sad. And a tear rolls down his face. <laughs> you right. need to visit my brothel at some point. <laughs> yes, that that would do me some good. Uh, come. Also, what the hell are you thinking? Just getting that ah, doesn't matter. I had a rope. I'm just bad at ropes. I'm a portly criminal mastermind, not some kind of climbing guy. Well. Yes, I am definitely a climbing guy. Great at all sorts of climbing. Anyway. This is what happens when the butlers rise up. Fine, I'll help you. So you now have Carmine. Excellent. Now here's the real question. Where do you intend to find old McGillicuddy Fuck. in um, the morning? Yeah, no, that's that's a problem. Would Peter Baelish know anything about old McGillicuddy? Does he have any connections? I don't think Peter Baelish would, but not Peter Baelish might. So why don't you roll me <laughs> on uh, insight You got check. me on my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> I brought you guys lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> that's what gave me the thinking power. <laughs> so what am I rolling for? Can you roll me a, uh, let's say a history check. Okay. Uh, 16. One of the, the things you like to do is keep tabs on uh, anyone who you think might be a useful criminal contact. And certainly uh, singers are, are amongst that group. You know that uh, McGillicuddy's, even though he you know rocks out pretty hard at night at uh, the Driftwood Tavern, he actually is, uh, he's done a lot of favors uh, for the proprietor of the Moonstone. And he has uh, very fine rooms there. If I may make a suggestion, I say we go to the Moonstone. Uh, Dancing, wildly effervescent friend. <laughs> Tends to have a habit of sleeping late on mornings there. All right, let's do it. Let's go right now. All right, and you do. So, Quinny, are you I'm trying so to find you came Dark? <laughs> yes, I am. You approach the Black Lake, which is in the north mm -hmm. uh, end of uh, Neverwinter, and uh, you see sort of a large uh, Nordic-looking fellow uh, sitting cross-legged, meditating uh, down by the water. Does there appear to be anyone looking to, to harm him? Uh, no, it looks like a pretty high traffic area. Think of it as like a busy park, and he just happens to be sitting down by the water. I want to try and uh, sneak up behind him. Okay. Roll me a stealth check, please. 25. Uh, yeah, you successfully do. He seems uh, lost in thought. Okay. Now, I want to take out my flintlock pistol, and I want just the sound of me pulling the hammer back to be like his only notification that someone's behind him. So you do that, and uh, he kind of chuckles. Mm -hmm. He said, boy, if I had a gold piece for every time someone tried to shoot me in the back of the head while I was looking at a lake. <laughs> How many gold pieces would you have? Enough to buy better guards, apparently. <laughs> Look, well, I really just came here to talk, but I know you're a real tough guy. Fair enough. You've seen, I'm sure, your fair share of people's brains coming out of their heads. who wouldn't want you to have to look at your own, so. Hell, it's true. Uh, at my own wedding ceremony, my husband and I had knives at each other's throats. It really, you know, it's, it's the way my people do it, so I get you. Serious conversation should have a serious weapon at hand. Okay. Show me your hands for a second. <laughs> We're going to have a serious conversation. <laughs> he holds them up, and he's got throwing daggers mm -hmm. dangling from both middle fingers. You, you get the sense he could have whipped one of them over his shoulder pretty easily. Yeah, okay. All right, then. You got me. I got you. Let's uh, maybe just relax a little. And I mean, I was looking at a lake until someone drew a gun on me, but sure. What do you need? 
put those away and I'll put my gun away. So with sort of a deft flick, he just flicks them into the ground next to himself on either side. They're about a foot away, like okay. outside of reach. Okay. And I release uh, the hammer. No, no, I shoot him in the head. <laughs> uh, Quinny, can you roll me a dexterity check? <laughs> uh, to release the hammer without shooting him in the head? You've never used a pistol before. Use that blunderbuss that one time. That is true. This isn't a, this isn't a technology you're familiar with. Uh, just dexterity? Yep. 22. You uh, you go to uncock the hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you realize that uh, that's the main firing mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as it clicks forward at the last minute, you slip your thumb in between. Hurts a little bit, right. but you get the sense that it could have been, been a real disaster. But okay. you're good now. And I say, uh, you're about to adjudicate a trial. Oh, I can't say yes or no on that. As you know, the, the identity of the judges is kept secret here. I understand, but I'm telling you that you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I like you. You're a straight talker and you brought a gun to a knife fight. I think we're getting along just fine. Uh, somewhere what? a very sneaky voice says, Boo! <laughs> I worry about all the ghosts I hear in this town. I think they're the yeah. voices of the men I've killed. Just an aside, does Quinny know what judges' like attire looks like when they're in court? Uh, not here. Um, uh, I think in general, you would have avoided all court cases as much as you well, yes, could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I know a few things about you. I know you've got this uh, trial. You don't have to confirm that if you don't want to. I know your name is Darg Findleton. Ah, damn. Okay, confirmation there. It's short for Dargwood. Oh, all right. <laughs> Quinny, like, stifles. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Just saying people named Quinny shouldn't throw stones in a glass house. (laughs) Fair enough, Dargwood. Look, this is a beautiful (laughs) lake, and you seem to be really enjoying yourself here. I think you should take the day off and maybe let someone else sit in for you. Are you out of your fucking mind? I mean... No, uh, I must make sure that justice is upheld. Someone else can make sure that justice is upheld. I'm not in this town. I'm not from this town. I'm not going to trust you to judge on my behalf. First of all, you'd have to get stilts. So where would you get those? A prison cell in the Hall of Justice? Second, this is my job. There's no way I'm going to allow you to adjudicate a criminal case on my behalf. That's madness. Why are you even asking me this? I don't know. <laughs> and I pistol whip him a back, across the back of the head with the intention of knocking him out. Okay, roll me a strength check. <laughs> Six. We call this episode how Quinny got murdered by a judge. <laughs> you take three points of damage for how badly you hurt your wrist from bouncing it off his incredibly hard skull. And I say, what are you made of? muscle and now rage so he kind of stands up and you realize that he's roughly three times your height he kind of stares down at you and he says you know i'm in the habit of giving everyone one of those the second one and he just like cracks his knuckles without touching either hand he just kind of like (laughs) cracks them while standing there i've broken skulls like yours with two of these fingers don't try it again and then he starts to walk away damn Like, like he's walking to the the courthouse at this point? Well, I mean, he's not beelining it there. He's still maintaining yeah. his... But yeah, he's like leaving. I'm going to let him get a good enough distance on me, and then I'm going to start to tail him. Uh, you tail him to the Hall of Justice. Yeah. He enters the Hall of Justice. Okay. He's beyond your reach. Oh, I'm not allowed into the Hall of Justice? I mean, you can go in, but like, it's literally the most secure building in all of Neverwinter. So Challenge he- accepted. <laughs> no. Uh, I, uh, okay. No, I, I did some... Do you guys some... have a uh, halfling-sized coffin ready? Uh, <laughs> got, just tuck me into my own bag of holding. Um, <laughs> I uh, bury I'll, me with my gnome. I'll, I'll I'll meet up with the group then. Okay, the trial is uh, fast approaching. Um, it will be uh, beginning in roughly half an hour. Quinny and Butthole, do you guys want to briefly confer? I'm going to say that once you're in contact again, you both know everything that the other one would know, so we okay. don't have to reiterate it. But. Great. Hey, buddy. So hey. 
Fuck Fiddlesworth. Uh, also, do you have the dead gnome in a bag? Yeah, yeah. Are we going to be using that again? Yeah. Basically, he can prove that all the bad guys are going to murder everyone. And okay. That's not really a me plan. Also, we could probably show me and he'd be like, who the fuck's that guy? <laughs> and that'd be pretty useful. So, all right. Who we, wants, we might use him. Who wants the corpse? Probably shouldn't go to me. That seems like a bad <laughs> call. <laughs> like, I'm already opening the bag. I'm like, should I just right here? Right in the, yeah, in the, no, in the hall? No, good. I'd say, keep, it, keep it in the bag for now. Uh, all right. <laughs> That might be a surprise. Do you know what? We'll have you bring it into the courtroom and then present it to the judges. I I don't know if I can go in there, man. That's a courtroom. Okay. That's less helpful. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. We got to go and I will have you give your bag to Steve. And I point to the nice Steve who likes dogs. And I'm like, give it to him and we'll tell him it's evidence for the case. He's going to be one of our witnesses anyways. Okay. Um, And then I have a secret job for you. If you can't go into the courtroom, I need you to kidnap Fiddlesworth and drag him to the judges. All right. Because he's the evil co-conspirator. No, no, no. But you don't need to justify it. I'm ready to go. <laughs> if we can make, also, if we can make dead guys talk, oh, this is hard. This is maybe too generous. We need him alive, but if he's dead, he can still talk. And then I'll find a way to destroy his soul. <laughs> so you can bring him in dead if you need to. Sure. But we need the body. All right. And then I do, I do like a like a, like a a hands in for like a sports team. Mm-hmm. And I, I put one palm out. And yeah, I'll put it in. And then Goblin Jr. like wakes up and comes over and like puts a paw on. And then I put another hand. And we say, go, go Junior Jays. Yeah. And then he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Not Peter Baelish and Alan, you both arrive at the Moonstone Mask. The portal is active, even though it's early in the morning, but it mostly seems to be staff coming and going. You, you see kind of like some of the servers coming out, like taking their masks off. It seems like they're just getting off work now. Cool portal. Yeah, it goes to a weird place. <laughs> Do I recognize any of the staff? Do I know them already? Like if we had dealings before? Um, yeah, I'm going to say you recognize a couple of them in passing. I mean, you're, you're, you've been a semi-regular there. They kind of know you. They're like, oh yeah, not Peter Baelish. Yes. Do they recognize me without my mustache? <laughs> It takes them a minute. It's like when you run into someone on the street who yeah. you you know, and you're like, oh, hey, and they're like, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, not Peter Baelish? Yeah. Oh, wow, you look, did you lose weight? Uh, technically, I did. <laughs> Listen, uh, mm, it's me, Starlight. Starlight. We met the other night. Of course, yes, Starlight, yes. Uh, you, I hope your life is uh, turns out well. Listen, Starlight. <laughs> I need to know. Have you seen McGillicuddy coming in? Or? Oh, yeah. He came in uh, early this morning. Ah, yes. Is he is still about the premises? Yeah, he's, he's passed out in his usual room. All right. Well. <clears throat> Although he's, uh, you know, he's got to do his uh, ballad duties in, uh, in about uh, 20 minutes. Ah, yes, of course. Well, I'm just going to run upstairs and give a quick knock on the door. Just a, a little message I have to give okay, to Okay, just, you know how pissed the mistress gets if uh, she hasn't sung her ballad every morning. So uh, be quick about it. All right, I will. Bless. Your heart. Um, so I. Nice thing anyone said to me. Thank you, not Peter <laughs> Baelish. And she sort of pats you on the shoulder. But the uh, the attraction she seemed to feel to you when she slipped you her details uh, yesterday. Without the mustache, she's just... It's I know, just not, and, and I can tell that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just kind of like a blow to my ego. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, it'll grow back. It'll grow back. <laughs> um, so I know where the room is, so we go right up to the, cool. the door. Yep. The upper rooms of the Moonstone Mask are very nice. They look like they'd be very comfortable. You could probably rest there very nicely. Uh, you can hear uh, various sexy sounds coming from uh, rooms down the hall. But uh, also... Uh, What's this? <laughs> Uh, What's really? that clapping sound? <laughs> you know, it's something that 
I've got to stay. Come on by later. You'll find out. <laughs> Sounds like somebody's punching a fish. <laughs> oh. No, the sound. It's that's like, uh, it's that's like, actually, sound, uh, like, if you drop ham into a like bowl of water, it's just <laughs> like repeatedly. Meanwhile, yeah. down the hall, there's, oh, uh, there's uh, two of the water deep architects are sitting there. One of them's punching a fish. <laughs> the other one's dropping ham into wa- water. He's like, I really like it here in Neverwinter. <laughs> I, I love that you chose architects rather than it being the kitchen. <laughs> Ham and fish. Not in the kitchen, pal. Not in a million years. <laughs> Architects can be kinky too, all right? You know, just leave, leave them to their, their habits. There's nothing like this in, in uh, Waterdeep. I'll show you a possible angles. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so you hear fi- a tremendous dwarven snoring from a room. I knock loudly on the door. Uh, 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 no, I, I don't have to sing yet. No, Miguel Cati. Tis I. Not Peter Baelish. Not Peter Baelish. Yes. And then you hear like a, you know some fun, like classic cartoon style foley as he like falls over and like something smashes and a cat goes meow. And that's uh, all uh, from the people in the other rooms. The whole room. Yeah, you get a discount if you add comedic uh, backup to people. Uh, and then he kind of like pulls the door open and he's kind of like half wearing pants and his hat is like crooked because for some reason he couldn't find a shirt so he just put on a hat. He's like, hey. <laughs> Find a shirt. You're coming with us, Miguel Cotty. Uh, what? Now, I don't know the story of, like, how you... Uh, I'm going to say that because you guys have spent time preparing okay. the case together, yeah. uh, and also so we don't have to repeat it for our listeners, that you do know the story okay. and that right. Alan would have related to you all right. back in the jail. So, old Mad-Eye, you know, we talked about how Fiddlesworth was, you know, and his gang was oh, yeah. doing all that horrible stuff. Well, we want that stuff to stop, and in order to do that, we really need you to just be a witness in this court case. All you have to do is... Be a witness. All right. Just, well, uh, just tell the court what you told me. Well, that sounds great, but uh, you know, I've got to sing my ballad to the the mistress of the house later, or else she'll get real mad. We will make sure that the ballad gets sung. Why don't you come with us? <laughs> Listen, if we do a three person song, she'll probably let me go early. <laughs> I quickly check my performance score and say, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. Sounds like we got ourselves a band. I'm just looking at my performance score and say, I'll clap along. <laughs> now, we only have very, very little time. So It'll we be must a super quick ballad. Just a real, real quick ballad. Uh, so uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, nods, he nods at both of you. Uh, he grabs a shirt. He tucks it into his back pocket because, you know, nice. she, she prefers that he does it shirtless, you know. And I like, don't you judge. Know, I understand. It's like he's, he's going for like the dwarven equivalent of a Harlequin romance novel cover. Nice. Uh, and they go down, uh, you go down the hall and it's to just sort of around a corner into what looked like just regular servants' quarters. So all the doors just have, like, the same thing. And uh, not Peter Baelish, what you know is that the proprietor of the Moonstone likes to just kind of act as though she's just one of the staff. And that's how she kind of keeps a handle on everything. So uh, McGillicuddy knocks uh, in kind of like a, like a shave and haircut two bits kind of way. And the door swings open a crack. And uh, the proprietor, who's a, a very uh, majestic-looking lady, whose name is Belim, and uh, she says, oh, yes, oh, oh, you've brought friends. She kind of, like, looks Alan up and down. It's like, oh, this one reeks of innocence. And this one, she looks at not Peter Bellish and she's like, no, not Pete. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do with the mustache? Oh, it'll grow back. Can you roll me a uh, persuasion check? 18. You do believe it will grow back. That was a persuasion (laughs) check for you. (laughs) He's real worried about that mustache. I've I've got just a real, it's a thin blue line, this reality I cling to, and I've just got to, I've got to believe. That's all right. That's that's true for all of us. Uh, So, uh, 
McGillicuddy, what brings you fine folks here? I mean, you're not supposed to ballad for another 20 or so minutes. Well, we're afraid McGillicuddy had a really wonderful gig opportunity come up, and, well, we know how much you need to have something sung to you by Sweet McGillicuddy, so we thought we'd join him for a very quick ballad before we must whisk him away. Oh, well, I mean, as a well-traveled bard yourself, not Peter Baelish, what song shall be sung? Someone is beautiful. And refined oh, go on. and majestic as you, well, I think only one song would do. And I look at McGillicuddy and he's just like, oh, I know exactly what song this is. <laughs> yep. And uh, I'm just like, no, you can just like clap in whenever you want. <laughs> I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. When a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, face you get sprung. And she's like, you know what? I do. <laughs> you guys really get me. All right. Well, thank you. That will truly uh, <laughs> that will truly see me through the day, as will this. And then she kisses McGillicuddy. She kisses not Peter Baelish. Mm. And then she kisses Alan. Oh, my goodness. And with her face as red as the velvet carpet on the floor, Alan McGillicuddy and not Peter Baelish leave. Uh, okay, so uh, you've reached the uh, the day of the trial. We're already on the day of the trial. We've reached the, the hour of the trial. Yeah, yeah. We've reached the minute reached of the, the trial. We've yeah. reached the minute of the trial. Uh, so the time has come for the trial. So you filter into the Hall of Justice. Uh, it is set up like a classic movie courtroom because that's the only kind of courtroom I know. Um, I am brag. sweating Profusely. <laughs> I walk like I'm Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm doing it. You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm desperately into that. Um, okay, so uh, you enter the hall. Uh, the hall is a uh, sort of a large rectangular room. You enter through a large set of double doors. To your left and right are benches where people can sit in attendance and watch the trial. Directly ahead of you at the north end of the large room, there's sort of a semicircle that comes out of the building on which are set three huge, tall stone chairs. Sitting on each of those stone chairs is one of the justices. They're now wearing silver masks that have the eyes closed on see no evil, the ears are missing from hear no evil, the mouth is missing from uh, speak no evil. There are uh, There's a prosecution table to the left, defense to the right. There's a seat directly in front of the three justices uh, for the defendant. You can see that Haldin von Strauss is standing kind of off to the right of the chairs, sort of where a bailiff would normally stand. But I think given how kind of big and intimidating butthole is, they're kind of like, you should be on hand for this. I give von Strauss like a respectful nod. He seems impressed by that. Again, you get the sense that he thinks you're a decent guy, but he really respects the, uh, the rule of law. On the east and west walls, there are balconies with additional seating. As well, you can see in each corner, there's almost like a little crow's nest uh, where guards are standing with crossbows at the ready. So you come in, the judges are uh, already uh, seated, buttholes brought in, and uh, you're brought to the uh, central seat. And you can confer with your defense, great, sort of as you see fit. But generally, the idea is that you're to feel the eyes of the judges on you at all times. Except uh, for seeing evil. Yeah, except for the one who's covered them. <laughs> yeah, they can see through the masks. It's magic. Ooh. Magic masks. And I'm, I'm sort of like, dig the masks, guys. <laughs> like, this is cool. Von Strauss, like, very quietly mutters, yeah, me too. Guys, I really like Von Strauss. <laughs> like, Alan and not Peter Baelish, you are set up at the defense table. There is the uh, prosecuting lawyer, a uh, sort of very studious-looking gnome. Um, with oh, the, no. That's adorable. <laughs> That's going to be a problem for me. 
He's got uh, maybe problematic for our dead gnome witness. Nope, I'm fine with that. He's got uh, very small uh, horn rimmed glasses, just kind of perched at the edge of his nose. He's got blue hair, and he's got a pretty solid beard. Peter, you, you're not Peter Bielis. You agree? Yep. Uh, he's dyed it blue, just kind of red. Yeah, his name is is, is in fact uh, Bluebeard. Bluebeard. I look over and I say like this uh, unofficial. We haven't started yet. Do you know Burlap Satchel? You know what? I met Burlap years ago. He's a good dude. I was wondering because I saw the blue hair and I thought you guys might have a link. Honestly, we met him over at uh, now King Mudbutt's castle. He was awesome. Oh well, you know what? If I see him again, I'll I'll commit. Well, assuming you're not, you know, executed for for the crimes. Well, I'm I mean, I know you're going to do your best, but well, uh, always nice to meet a, a friend of Burlap's. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I when if I when I go free, I'll just like <laughs> say hi for you too. Like maybe we can set up some letters or something to go back and forth. It'll be great. I don't think you'll be going free, but uh, thank you for the offer. And he smiles very very politely, and then pulls out like the biggest stack of legal documents you've <laughs> ever seen. And, like, unfolds. It's sort of, like, three, basically, eight-inch deep, like, folders. He unfolds all of them, like, you know, it was, it's very well set up. And I go, ah, I see you prepared, too. And I take out an origami fart box, and I open it and just smell. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Someone brought three of those to my office yesterday. You don't know anything about that, do you? And then Von Strauss kind of, like, taps his sword on the ground and kind of, a like, stop fucking talking to the prisoner way. And uh, Bluebeard throws up his, like, his little tiny gnome hands. He's like, I'm sorry, sorry, you know, just starting the trial. And I want everybody to know that I'm on, on my game. So I unfold the fart box and I hold it up. And inside it just says, I'm sorry, Von Strauss. I'm one step ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, our special guest, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. And Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser. And our Ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar. J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, and thanks for calling the arena. If you know your party's extension, you can dial it at any time. If your psychiatrist has gone missing, press 3. Press 3. That sounds ill-advised. Life is about choices, man. You and I both suffer from a very rare form of mental illness, right? Yep. Yep, that's us. I'm just saying, we're probably not the best private investigators, since we don't know what's real. The waitress at the Chinese restaurant, she told me that I needed to complete three trials to find Sadler. Okay, but how long have you been out of your meds? Three trials. The arena, the old factory, the inventor's basement. The inventor's basement. Exactly. Mama, I met someone today. You're not going to believe this. Half spider, half human. You all have this disorder. We call it the imperfection. Okay, so we just got off the train at a stop called East River between East Broadway and York Street, which I'm pretty sure doesn't exist. We are not a cop show, Charlie. Uh, I know that, but we're friends, and I need my friends. 
How sure are you that these things are actually happening in real life? It seems like reality can be a little slippery. Charlie! Charlie! They're on my face! Amber, Amber, stop, 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 stop it, stop these it. fucking spiders, they are everywhere. <laughs> the Imperfection, an audio drama in nine parts. Produced by Wolf at the Door Studios. Out now. For more information, please visit WLFDR.com.